Coming up on today's show. Can you actually utilize all the spaces in your home for their original intended use? Mm. Or do some people just turn a blind eye into it and say, I, you know, that's not me? Or what? talk about maybe some of the situations like that where maybe it's not quite as obvious. That the definition of hoarding in her situation was that she was collecting, but so much of her collections were simply in boxes and were never being pulled out and displayed. Could you be a hoarder? We'll find out today on Keeping You Organized. Hello and welcome to Keeping You Organized, the show that brings you the best organizing tips, advice, and behind-the-scenes stories from the top professional organizers in the nation. I'm John Hunt from Smead.com, and today we're going to talk about Could You Be a Hoarder? Our guest today is professional organizer Julie Ulmer from Minding Your Manor. Now, if you'd like to know what we talked about on this episode or any of our episodes, you can visit our podcast page at smeed.com slash podcast. I'll repeat this information at the end of the program today, but for now, let's get into our episode of Could You Be a Hoarder? On today's show, Keeping You Organized, brought to you by Smeed. Hello and welcome to Keeping You Organized. Today we're going to talk about hoarding, but you know, we're going to talk about hoarding from a little bit different angle than we normally do, because uh, we're going to talk about whether or not you might be a hoarder. You're saying, well, how would I know? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to bring on Julie Ulmer from Minding Your Manor. And Julie, welcome to Keeping You Organized. Thanks, John. It's great to be back. So, you know, me. this this idea of being a hoarder, uh, could you be a hoarder? Is there a way that someone could be a hoarder and not know? I mean, we see all those shows on TV where you know, there's piles and piles and piles. How would someone not know they're a hoarder? Well, I think that the terminology has been sort of bandied about a lot lately. You know, for instance, um, sort of joking or uh, people will say, well, I'm, I'm totally hoarding, you know, their favorite collection, when in fact they're a collector, not actually a hoarder. You know, for instance, you could say, oh, Jay Leno hoards cards. <sighs> well, he certainly does have a lot of cars, but he's a car collector, not necessarily a hoarder. So there's a few things that help define hoarding behavior um, as listed in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for uh, the Psychiatric and Psychological um, uh, Association. And the first thing is that there is a persistent difficulty with discarding possessions regardless of their actual value. Uh, so that's first. Okay. Uh, secondly, it's the difficulty um, is due to this distress around saving items and the amount of items. And uh, the there's another couple of aspects, but one of which is really telling, which is, can you actually utilize all the spaces in your home for their original intended use? Mm. For instance, if a, um, a second bathroom's shower has broken down and now it's being used to store linens, or if you're not able to uh, you know, put together a healthy, nutritious meal in your kitchen because of the excessive clutter, um, are you not able to sleep in your own bed? Is the dining room never used for dining? So those are some some of the criteria that people could utilize to, you know, figure out 
Um, they could also uh, do a Google search or go to the Institute for Challenging Disorganization, which has a clutter hoarding scale. Um, they could do a Google search for a clutter image uh, rating scale, and those might give them people a, a little bit of a better idea about what they're dealing with. Right, right. So, I, I mean, I think when I, you know, some of those things are maybe a little more obvious than others, but give us some examples from, you know, your the clients you work with, uh, maybe how they came to the re- realization, because maybe part of it is just admitting it, or, you know, do some people just turn a blind eye to it and say, I, you know, that's not me, or what? talk about maybe some of the situations like that where maybe it's not quite as obvious. Sure, you know, I think that we get accustomed to the the shows that we've seen on TV, which are really typically the very higher upper levels. It's really the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. But people who are involved in hoarding behavior um, can actually go down a slippery slope and it can be slow over the period of years or it could actually be something that happens quite quickly. Usually there's some sort of compulsive shopping or compulsive acquiring aspect to this. Um, Sometimes uh, for some reasons people just aren't, they stop uh, getting rid of things where they stop recycling the newspaper or magazines or paper and it begins to accrue. But usually it's the active acquiring aspect of hoarding. Um, and so sometimes the, the situations have been different. There are people that have been avid shoppers, you know, they've been involved in retail therapy. So they kind of do what's called a shop and drop. Mm. They'll go out and buy and purchase things and come home and not even open what's in their bag Mm. or uh, they're purchasing things through an online shopping network or a television shopping network and the packages come and they never actually get opened. So the shop and then the drop and things accumulate that way. Sometimes it's collections that get a little bit out of control. Um, I've worked with a family that was trying to help uh, declutter the home after mom and dad were uh, moved out and in, in assisted living. And mom had an avid, avid collection for Christmas decor, mm. wrapping paper, linens, um, dishes, anything that was related to Christmas ornaments. Um, but the matter of fact was that the definition of hoarding in her situation was that she was collecting, but so much of her collections were simply in boxes and were never being pulled out and displayed. Right. So that kind of gives people the the understanding that if you think you're just an avid collector, but none of it is actually being displayed or you're never handling it and going, ooh and ah, or showing people that come to the house, um, then that might be an indicator as well. Isolation is a big part of it. So social isolation, uh, people who have hoarding behavior have a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. They stop inviting people over. They stop having family to the house. Um, You know, if someone does go to the house, they'll open the door very cautiously and sort of peek out. They don't Mm -hmm. want to have people come into their homes. So hoards can be different. It can be different items. it can be collectible type stuff. It can be furniture. It could be even books like Bibliomania or information, which is 
a kind of a combination of books and periodicals, magazines, uh, articles off the internet that have been printed out and in excess, right. more than anybody could ever use. Now, now, how about when someone comes to you and do they have that kind of guilt or shame that they don't want to tell you that they think they're a hoarder? I mean, or do they, are they, are they coming to you and just saying, you know, I give up, I, I must be a hoarder kind of thing? Well, there's certainly people who are coming to me uh, with a sense of denial. They feel like their problem is strictly over shopping, oh, perhaps. Okay. They're not seeing the boxes and the bags and everything building up and, you know, not being able to walk down the hallway, um, having to kind of turn sideways to go down a hallway. Uh, sometimes people are coming to me because they're family members of someone who they think is hoarding. And that can be a big problem because... It really has to be uh, on the part of the person who's experiencing the hoarding behavior to actively seek help and to put their hand up and say, you know, this is getting out of control. I, I, I need some sort of help. Right. As we see a lot of times, it is in the later stages uh, when the secret's been discovered, so to speak. Right. Uh, usually it was a, a fall for someone who's older and all of a sudden EMTs or first responders have to get into the home and they can't. Um, or sometimes family members realize, you know, there's a reason why mom and dad aren't letting us in the house anymore yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, great. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, some of the things that work and some of the things that don't work once you have identified yourself as a hoarder and maybe some other personal experiences that you have with hoarding. And we'll do that with Julie Ulmer from Minding Your Manor when we come back. Now there's a place just for you. Life can be busy, and you still have to keep it all together. That's why you like to be organized and in control. Introducing MyOrganize.life, a special place where you can get ideas and solutions to organize what's important to you, your important papers, your important decisions, your important life events. We show you the ideas and products to stay organized in your life. See what's new. Stop by and say hello. Visit us at any time at www.myorganize.life. It's just for you. MyOrganize.life by Smead. Find us at www.myorganize.life. MyOrganize.life. We're back now on Keeping You Organized, talking about could you be a hoarder? And uh, Julie uh, Ulmer, Minding Your Manner, is with us here, a uh, professional organizer. J Julie, and I know that you know we talked a little bit about identifying, but you kind of have a personal story maybe that goes along with this could you be a hoarder? Because you're a professional organizer. Do you know any professional organizers who are hoarders? I have seen that there are some colleagues that had a problem at one point with hoarding, and they have since overcome that problem to a point where they feel like they're able to help their clients, especially because they they know they really have a deep down experience with that. And so actually, um, the this year, 2017 so far for me, has had some real serious challenges and losses and, and grief. And um, one of the things that I like to tell people is that uh, if I weren't better aware of my own limitations and my own mental health status, it could very well turn 
poor, you know, over the period of a year or two or five years even. What's transpired this year that has been um, sad for me and a bit traumatic for me and, and a bit of a loss, I could internalize that and not work through the grieving process. And perhaps uh, I would enjoy going out and buying new clothes as a palm, uh, sort of a form of retail therapy, you know, to sort of soothe some of those uh, bad feelings and, and slowly but surely really enjoy that retail therapy to the point where I'm not able to fit any clothes in my closets or bureau drawers perhaps or um, my dirty laundry is commingled with clean laundry. So I recognized after um, one of the last traumatic events uh, my mental health I felt needed some sort of exterior help. I needed a professional to help me work through the grieving process. Uh, and I realized that even though I'm someone who enjoys minimalism and who likes to live a simple life and eschews consumerism or excess consumerism, that it could very well be that if I wasn't getting the kind of help that I needed, I could turn into a hoarder just as easily as anybody else. I like nice things. Right. I like old things. I like nice clothes. Um, there are fun things out there in the world to have. Could I transpose some of my grief or my feelings to actual items? Could I kind of cocoon myself mm -hmm. and build walls up around me? So I think it's important for people to know that um, there are no, you know, it's not gender specific that people who have hoarding behavior can come from any sort of a financial status. Uh, it typically affects people who are older, though, usually over the age of 40 and especially over the age of 50. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that's quite a revealing story. And uh, I bet as part of your uh, research for this, uh, you kind of found some things that worked and some things that didn't work when you're trying to you know, deal with this hoarding, you know, and like you said, some people maybe feel like they've been cured or are in, you know, remission, whatever terminology, we're not going to get into that definitional sure. kind of stuff. But let's talk about some of the things you found that have worked and maybe some of the things that haven't worked when dealing with hoarding. Right. Well, one of the things that does not work and it's very obvious uh, if you have ever watched uh, any sort of a television show that's revolved around behavior is argumentative threats criticism judgments lack of respect and, and even negative language using you know terms like slob or messmaker or even pack rat can be hurtful so people on the outside need to come at uh, the hoarding situation with empathy, with some sort of respect, understanding that this is a loved one, there's a, you know, this is someone that they love and that they care about. Uh, going in and touching their possessions without their express permission or making decisions for the hoarder, such as mm. this has got to go, yeah. um, those are things that do not work and can actually make things worse. Forced or poorly planned cleanouts mm -hmm. are not helpful. We've seen in the past situations where forced cleanout has uh, taken place. It's cost uh, local agencies money. It's been, uh, you know, a, a, it's been. Uh, stressful for the person who's hoarding themselves and then lo and behold a year and a half later because there was no therapy or there was no mental health um, helping this person that 
the horde has appeared all mm. of a sudden again uh, within about a year and a half time. So it's rarely important for there to be some type of therapy because uh, hoarding behavior is a mental disorder. You know, it has been recognized as a disorder. So there are some things that um, that have been helpful. Um, there's the uh, motivational interviewing cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, but the biggest thing that has been helpful is harm reduction strategies, meaning going in and doing no harm. Mm. Uh, for instance, just focusing on safety. Instead of going in and saying, we've got to clean every single bit of this out in a short amount of time, it's better to go in and focus on safety, avenues of egress, being sure that um, there aren't uh, fire hazards. Um, so education and awareness about compulsive hoarding is really key factors right now here in America because the baby boomer generation and the, the uh, uh, senior generation, people over the age of 65, that percentage of our population is going to greatly increase mm -hmm. over the next 30 years. Yes. So it's something that's not going anywhere anytime soon. But if we can intervene early and if people can help self-identify uh, tendencies or behavior on their own and possibly seek out help, like I did, mm -hmm. uh, raising my hand and saying, I need help with this trauma, I need to, to uh, talk to somebody, then hopefully we can you know, curb the incidence of the higher levels of the very severely cluttered homes. Right. Well, let's, let's talk as we wrap up here, just, you know, if someone wants to work with you, because obviously uh, you're you're in this industry as a professional organizer, but you also have this uh, a, appeal to probably a hoarder and have worked with many hoarders. Um, how would you work with somebody? How what does that look like when you first meet them and uh, and that kind of initial conversation? Right. Well, the first thing that they need to know is that there is no judgment and there is no bias on my part. I'm amazed at anybody that can, you know, put their hand up and say, I do need help. I feel like um, this is getting out of control um, or, or their families who are saying we want to help our loved one, but we want to do it in a healthy way, in a safe way. Mm -hmm. So it's important for them to know that. And then I kind of have to let them do a certain amount of the leading. For instance, um, when I go to their home, a camera is an absolute no-no. I'm not taking any pictures uh, necessarily for any, you know, social media purposes or what have you. Although I will say this, sometimes someone who thinks that uh, their problem isn't as bad as it is, when they've looked at pictures of their environment, they've been surprised and all of a sudden realized their own clutter blindness. Mm. Um, but it's important for me to sort of let them lead. There may be some areas that they consider off limits. Um, oftentimes we're looking at harm reduction first, meaning let's make your home safe. Right. Let's not worry too much about, you know, trying to get rid of you know, your excessive collection or what have you. Let's work on safety first, making sure there aren't any trip hazards or, um, you know, fire hazards, like I said. Right. Could an EMT get into the home if they needed to? You know, right. is, is there a heavy content to the home as the uh, first responders refer to the home? Right. And using respectful language, um, you know, trying to be respectful of their space. I don't touch anything until I have expressed permission 
permission and even then we go over every little thing as we're, as we're working along right. so that we're building trust there's a lot of trust building that has to take place in order for someone to go forward and i really prefer to work with people who are in therapy or are seeking some sort of psychological counseling okay. because that's key otherwise the recidivism rate is extremely high and wow. and you know we want to we want to move forward not not one step forward two steps back Right. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, do you, do you do the virtual uh, assistance, or is it just mainly in your local geographic area? Um, I can do virtual assistance, and one of the things that I think is going to become important for colleagues who do work with hoarding, uh, the hoarding population, is uh, acting as a consultant and or as a navigator for families and for those who hoard, because it's something that responds well to collaborative therapy, meaning a team. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a village kind of a thing. So virtually trying to help people uh, who can access um, local agencies or groups or support groups that can actually, they can you know go to in their community and or through national groups that may be of benefit to them. Awesome. Uh, but definitely local. Great. Well, Julie, uh, how can people get a hold of you then? Uh, www.mindingyourmanner.com. Uh, they can email me at julie at mindingyourmanner and, of course, connect with me on social media. Um, most of the platforms I'm on either as Minding Your Manner or Julie Ulmer. And I certainly welcome um, anyone's input or questions or queries if there's anything that I can do to help people uh, as they're, um, you know, trying to help another individual or they themselves are looking for some sort of resources. At least I can direct them to resources. Awesome. Well, Julie, thanks again, as usual. Uh, got lots of, we have a lot of different podcasts with you in our archive. So uh, people, if you go to smead.com slash podcast, just scroll through some of the shows, you'll see uh, we've talked about cooking healthy meals and all kinds of things. But this is both a, a personal issue and uh, one that a lot of people are wondering, could they be a hoarder? So I think we've given them some good uh, you know, basic uh, information on how to assess that. And, and also, I encourage them to get a hold of you as well. And then, folks, I encourage you to come back next time on Keeping You Organized. Keeping You Organized is brought to you by Smead Manufacturing. Visit us at www.smead.com. Smead has been dedicated to finding innovative ways to help you get organized for over 100 years. We are a woman-owned business, and the majority of our products are made right here in the USA. If you enjoyed this episode of Keeping You Organized, we would love to get your feedback. You can do that by leaving a comment at smead.com forward slash podcast or on the iTunes page for this show. We also encourage you to let others know about this show by mentioning it on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. You can find out complete information about what was talked about in this episode, plus see links to all of our podcasts by going to our podcast page at smead.com forward slash podcast. Keeping You Organized is produced by Leanne Thompson, Executive Producer Gail Taylor, Technical Director Ben Schmidt, and I'm your host John Hunt from smead.com. Keeping You Organized is copyright 2017, Smead Manufacturing. Smead Manufacturing.